Hello and welcome to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. And in this episode, I will look at Successful Operation, um, uh, which Heinlein wrote in uh, 1940. Uh, now, there's not much to say about this story, I suppose, because it is very, very short. It's only about two pages long. Um, and according to the foreword I have on this text, it was... Uh, I get it was it seemed to have been written at the request of fans. Uh, if we'll read his uh, his for, forward, he says the most the, for any wordsmith, the most valuable word in the English language is that short, ugly Anglo-Saxon monosyllabic no. And then he complains that people who would never expect to have their wares given away for free will ask writers for free gifts of 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 their works, and. Quote, he writes, then, this chutzpah is endemic in science fiction fans, acute in organized sci-fi fans, and at its virulent worst in organized fans who publish fan magazines. The following story came into existence shortly after I sold my first story and resulted from my having not yet learned to say no, end quote. So that, that's the foreword. I think this foreword was published in a later anthology of his, of his stories, where this was collected in. So where was it originally published? Well, it was originally published in Ray Bradbury's fan magazine, Futura Fantasia, in the spring of, of 1940. So I think that, 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 you know, that fact and this introduction kind of suggests where this came from. Um, there's a little bit of, of, I think, unnecessary bitterness in the way he introduces the, the story, but maybe it's a good lesson for, for, for young writers not to, and young artists not to give away too much for free. Anyways, into the story itself. So the story, it's essentially about someone like Adolf Hitler. That's, of course, in 1940, the figure, the dictator on the world stage that, you know, it couldn't have been someone else. I don't think because there's not really anyone else who is clearly at that time engaged in, in, in such a public way the the genocidal acts towards a minority population. You know, this is after the Nuremberg laws were passed. This was after there were concentration camps targeting Jews. This was after Jewish persecution was was. Well, on its way towards the Holocaust, which which it would become after the war began, as we know. And of course, many historians, you know, date the Holocaust from beginning from the Nuremberg Laws or from the beginning of the Nazi takeover. Others will 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 focus more on the period of mass murder. Uh, the the probably the best book I think that's out there for for beginners who want to look into the Holocaust is Freelander's two volume work. The age of persecution and the age of extermination. So he he looks at the Holocaust as the entire period, but he divides it up into these two, and I think that's a very good way of thinking about it. But anyways, this is written before the death camps were 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 clear to people. Now I think this story was edited somewhat after the original publication. I have the version that was was later published in one of his collections. 
so so maybe there was some editing going on i didn't go back and see the original publication but anyways it's very very short it's three pages uh or so um and here's what happens so we have a leader uh very much modeled off hitler from the from the short window we get to 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 meet him who has a pituitary gland illness like cancer in the pituitary gland or some kind of sickness it's not really defined and he needs a pituitary gland transplant and the only doctor who can do this is this dr lanz who is currently in some sort of concentration camp some kind of prison with his family um had his money all seized his passport taken his you know basically he's being prepared for this the age of extermination i guess um but he's the only one who knows how to do this kind of transplant so the leader's like well that can't be but finally he accepts okay bring him here and this dr lanz was brought from the concentration camp to meet the leader and what he writes here what heinlein writes here is uh really sums up the story i think Dr. Lanz faced the leader with inherent dignity, a dignity and presence that three years of protective custody have been unable to shake. End quote. Um, so he's standing up to this leader who sees him as an inferior race based on religion. Now, of course, the Nazis saw Jews as a racial other, not just a religious other. That's, of course, a, a key part of their philosophy and their ideology and, and, and inherent to fascist movements too is otherizing other people in essentialist ways uh, and that's what's happening here certainly and in, in fact the leader does talk about the sins of your race and later on it's def it's mentioned it's religion it's a it's a race-based religion so this very much is a reflection of nazi policy towards the jews so anyways um this Dr. Lanz, after hearing the story of the leader needing a pituitary gland transplant, which is the way it's presented here, it's not off a dead body. They actually take a living person's pituitary gland, replace it, and then that person would get the disease pituitary gland. Um, there's a little subtlety to that, to that aspect of it later on. It's a man named Samuel who is the donor. Uh, I'll get to that in a little bit. But the, most, the, the, the important thing here is that Lanz tells the leader like i'll do it like because now lanz has the upper hand because he's the only one who can perform this operation he says i'll do this if you do these certain things for me and so one is a passport second is all the money that's been seized will be returned to me and third this will be done in a foreign country um where i can't just be arrested afterwards and have my money received so it has to be done in a foreign country where me and my family will be safe and the leader he just called the leader here, says, okay, we'll do it. That I'll do it. He's kind of, I think there's some internal monologue where the leader says, well, we, we can get him later on. You know, it's like, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually get him. But, how's he say it? Yeah, let this presumptuous fool think so. It can be corrected after the operation. That's what the leader says to himself. So anyways, the operation is going to take place. They agree the operation will take place on some foreign soil. And, and so this basically sets up Dr. Lanz to be free after the operation, despite whatever the, the leader may, may imagine can be done after that. So then he talks to, then we get a conversation between Dr. Lanz and Samuel, the donor. 
And he says, Lon's is like, are you sure you want to do this? And Samuel says, certainly, doctor. And Lon says, I can't guarantee that recover, that the leader's pituitary gland is diseased. Your younger body may not be able to stand up to it. That's the chance you take. But Samuel says, I'll also be out of the concentration camp. I'll be freed from the, from the camp. And presumably also in a foreign country. And then Lanz is like, well, maybe here in this other country, we can repair the damage done to you or, or help you survive. You'll have better health care. You won't be in a concentration camp or whatever. So, that, so Samuel is also getting kind of a, a, a ticket away. From the concentration camp and then Lanz is like okay let's do this and then we have a break in the scene and the surgery takes about an hour and a half and Lanz puts down his instruments his surgical instruments and cleans up he says had he not known he could not have told the dictator from oppressed so this is an important line in the story because the 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 coda of this story I mean that and there's not much more to it, but the code of the story is essentially like a body swap. Like, well, there's two ways to read it, and and I thought a little bit about both ways of reading this. One way of reading this is that the, you know, kind of taking the Descartesian idea of the pituitary gland as the center piece of our consciousness, right? Like, if you remember the mind-body problem as explored in by someone like Descartes, he would say like, well, the pituitary gland is that link between the soul and our and our body and that somehow our consciousness is laid in in the pituitary gland so if you were to transplant it you would be transplanting consciousness into a new person um now lanz has apparently done this before so that's that reading is a little bit more metaphysical or science fictiony i'm not sure what to make of it it's just that was kind of like really what i thought when i when i read the like the last scene of this this story the other alternative is that while the leader is under he basically gets thrown in prison and over and overthrown by other elements in the government um and in it but this key pe- passage the one i just just read complicates this uh, i'll read it again he says it was an hour and 20 minutes later that Lance put down the last instrument nodded to the surgeons assisting him and commenced to strip off operating gloves he took one look at his at his two patients before he left the room they were anonymous under the sterile gowns and dressings. Had he not known, he could not t- have told the dictator from the oppressed. Come to think of it, with the exchange of those two tiny glands, there was something of the dictator and his victim and something of the victim in the dictator. And of course, this is the whole criticism Heinlein is offering of Nazi policy, of, of, of other rising another group, that under the knife, in the hospital gowns, we're all the same. There's kind of a brutal equality of... Of, of humanity to to people that's our foundation of our solidarity of course right we feel empathy for people suffering because we realize that that could be us in that but literally here there's a bit of the dictator and the victim and something the victim and the dictator so that that opens up the door to this more ambiguous reading of it anyways dr lanz gets all gets away he's staying at a first class hotel completely different from his concentration camp and and all that but then he asks about samuel and samuel is gone where's samuel so that's the other kind of ambiguity in the story is what happened to samuel part of the deal apparently was samuel would also be able to escape the concentration camp and live out his life on this um in this foreign country 
So let's get to the last scene. The last scene is the leader waking up. Quote, his brain was confused. Then he recalled the events before he going to sleep. The operation, it must be over. And he was alive. But he's, in a, he's on a cot. He's like in a prison cell. And he, he's proceeded to like, he starts to demand respect from the guards and to be treated, you know, as he should as the leader, that they salute him. And they just mock him, right? They say, hail to the leader. It's kind of like a gospel kind of uh, the, 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 the passion kind of mocking of the, of the prisoner. Hail to the leader, they shout. And then they beat him up. Um, and here's how the story ends. I'll just read the last part. Another trooper came in to say what the noise was while the first was still laughing in his witticism. What's up, John? So you better not handle that monkey too rough. He's still carried on the hospital list. He glanced casually at the leader's bloody face. Him? Didn't you know? He pulled him to one side and whispered. The second's eyes widened. He grinned. So they don't want him to get well, huh? Well, I could use some exercise this morning. Let's get fats, the other suggested. He always had such amusing ideas. Good idea. He stepped out of the door and bellowed, Hey, Fats! They didn't really start in on him until Fats was there to help. So the assumption here is that the leader has been killed. Um, now, you could read this, and this is just a, a, like a, a mind swap. And this is the leader's now in Samuel's body because his consciousness is in his pituitary gland, and that was transplanted. Or maybe that's something Lon's concocted in his, his operation. The title of the story is Operation Successful. So we're meant to focus on the operation itself, which is totally off screen. It's not, we don't get any actual um, discussion of it or reflection on it. It just happens. Um, so that's kind of a subversive reading of it. And that, that's kind of the reading I like. And so then we imagine Samuel, who's the Jew here, you know, or the, the persecuted religious racial minority who's now going to be the leader and apparently going to do something with that that power he's going to have a diseased pituitary gland but you know that's that's a problem for for another time so this is maybe lands final resistance to the to the dictatorship the other way of reading it is just that uh, the leader, what, people wanted to overthrow the leader and use the, when he was under the knife, under anesthetic, passed out after the operation that they just throw him in jail and beat him up. I, I don't think there's a clear answer either way here. Um, so that's it. That's successful operation. Um, I think the mind swap does make it more of a science fiction type of story. Um, but Probably at the end of the day, we shouldn't take this story too seriously. It's not going to be a major work in any analysis of, of Heinlein's works. It's just something he wrote for this Ray Bradbury fan mag back in 1940 when his career was first starting. Um, but it's good. It's, it's, it's one to check out. And, you know, you know you're not going to get more from the story than what I just explained to you. But uh, I, it's, it's not one to, to skip over if you're doing a Heinlein read through like I just like I'm doing now. So anyways, that's all I really have to say about Successful Operation. In the next episode, I'll look at they. I think I promised to look at they in the last episode, but, you know, the order just gets mixed up in my, in my life. Uh, I have the stories printed out. I have the various audiobooks, but it's just, you know, I, uh, they'll, they'll sh- they, they, well, I'll get through them all. 
in some relatively chronological order. So, but I'm pretty sure they will be next, which I just love because it's it's basically reads almost like a Philip Dick story um, before Philip Dick was writing. So that's that's fun. It doesn't even really feel that much like a Heinlein story to me. Anyways, uh, that's it for now. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>